I'm here with Tim Price today as we take a few moments to talk about five questions ministry leaders in their 40s need to ask. Welcome to the Tim Price Go Harvest podcast, where our mission is to equip and encourage ministry leaders. We're so thrilled to have you listening to our podcast, and our prayer is that it will be helpful to you and your teams. If you have any thoughts or questions, feel free to reach out to us at timpriceblog.com. We'd also be honored if you would subscribe and share with others. Heading now to today's episode. Welcome to the Go Harvest podcast. We're so glad to have you here today. And this may be a pretty specific podcast, at least to a specific age range. Uh, but I, I, we think it's worth uh, talking about. So, Tim, uh, tell me what you th- were thinking whenever you came up with these five questions that ministry leaders in their 40s should be asking. Yeah, thanks, Clint. Um, these questions may actually fit for a lot of ages. but um, And, of course, for you, you can tuck them away for several years until you hit your 40s. But I guess... Um, I think about these because I'm nearing the end of my 40s. Mm-hmm. And this is a blog post I wrote some time back and uh, pulled it out for this podcast episode, kind of just to see you know where things are at a little yeah. bit. But I remember I one in one week at some point, not too distant past, I met with a 20-something pastor. And I just heard um, tons of great stories over lunch, tons of enthusiasm, tons of dreams, tons of potential. And then that same week, I met with a... 80-year-old pastor, literally 80 years old and still preaching and mm. having had been in, you know, a long pastor and now in retirement in another almost, you know, equally it's, it's growing in length of time. And so, um, this guy is still serving and preaching and his conversation was really filled with, uh, the same amount of passion, but like different things. It was more like with wisdom and kind of a burden and kind of an urgency mm. and and really you know through it all was a contentment. And so I was just kind of reflecting that I'm somewhere right in the middle of that and the 40s are a pretty good place to be for reflection. You're kind of at the halfway point. You have it you have some couple decades in life to reflect on and you have a couple decades of life left in terms of, you know, active mm. serving ministry, you know, as long as the Lord leads, Lord willing. And um so I just had these five questions just to kind of remind myself to think about that during this time. Man, that is awesome. Uh, well, each each decade um, of age brings a unique perspective. Uh, so I, I look forward to um, hearing uh, your perspectives on these five quick questions. So we're going to get started here. And the first one is this. How can I stay faithful? All right. So um, finishing strong is, is so important, and, and we all know that. I read a book once. forgot the guy that wrote it, but it was called Finishing Strong. And to do this, we pretty much have to decide that we're going to stay faithful. We got to determine in our hearts and minds, uh, right here today, that uh, with all that we have, to stay faithful to Christ, to our spouse, and to our calling. And those things are things that go by the wayside so quickly, and you don't even realize it. Like all mm-hmm. of a sudden, we just hear story after story of people who aren't faithful to their call, or aren't faithful to Christ, or you know, even when they, you know, really want to be even. Uh, and, and to their spouse, just all kinds of issues that come up for leaders. So how am I going to stay faithful for the long haul to get to the end, to be able to look back and say, yeah, we, we made it, we did it. We said yes. And we committed and, and we're continuing on as a couple and as a family and as a, as a servant in ministry and kingdom work. And, um, some of the, as we mentioned, people that, that go through major moral issues, um, you know, the, we don't we don't want to sit around and judge people, but uh, I don't think anybody starts off in life thinking, "Hey, I'm going to serve for about 
25, 30 years, then I'm going to really fall hard. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody thinks about that. Yeah. And um, whether, you know, it comes from unmet expectations or midlife crisis or, you know, issue of the heart or soul, whatever it is, we need to decide now that even in the uncertainty of what may come in our life as far as success, ministry, effectiveness, any of those things, we are going to remain faithful. And, um, you know, that's just, that's the goal. Yeah. So you said to remain faithful, we're going to decide to do that. And that might seem like a, like a, a big thing to just kind of decide all of a sudden, but, uh, like taking that into little bite-sized things, what are some pra- practical things someone can do to stay faithful? Yeah, that's, uh, that's why I should ask the 80 year old. The, you know, this is my, just my unique perspective, but, but when you hit your forties, you start realizing like, this is it. Like, this is my life. I mean, all, leading up to this, you kind of, you're always thinking, oh yeah, one of these days I'm going to do this. One of these days I'm going to do that. And then you get to a certain point in life and you're like, wow, one of these days is probably here. And the things I've thought I'm going to do or not do or whatever, it may or may not happen. And if our, you know, if, if what we're thinking about doesn't line up with the reality, we might be tempted just to like throw in the towel, you know, mm-hmm. skip it all together or, um, you know, try to answer that quit can, that question or that longing with some other thing that's so far out there that it's not going to do any good. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I guess one little practical thing is just, um, keep being connected to, you know, the disciplines of faithful devotion and prayer and communion with God on a regular basis and connected to home and family and friends and all those things and people that are, you know, along with you for this ride and keep the habit of reading scripture and just all those things. And, and as far as the calling goes, just a bite-sized thing is to look back and say, here's where you're at. And God called you here. And you can look back and see when that was and how that transpired and where that went and be content with that until you hear differently, like hear mm-hmm. what's next. So yeah, that, I don't know if that exactly answers the question, but and of course this question, like we said, is good for a lot of ages, mm-hmm. but I think there just gets more at stake when you get older. Yeah. So when a 20 something says, Hey, I want to be faithful. Well, that just seems so far reaching. Like it's hard to even think about 65 yeah. and you hit your forties all of a sudden 65. You're like, gosh, man, I better figure out retirement and stuff like that. I mean, like <laughs> you start thinking about things that are in the sixties yeah. that you would never thought of a long time ago. Yeah. And so this, this long haul kind of approach, you really want to make sure that you're um, on board. Mm-hmm. So no, that's good. So what comes to your mind about that? Anything? Well, and man, what a, what a great question. You know, uh, we were talking before we hit record, which I guess we should always just have record on just because they catch things. Um, uh, but I, I just turned 37, uh, in September and for some reason, like up until I was like at 36, like mentality and everything, I was like, I'm in my twenties. Like, that's just kind of where I was. And like, you know, I, I just didn't think about certain things or whatever. Um, uh, my wife, um, Tina, I, I love her and she's amazing. She thought about those things that I should be thinking about, you know, as an adult. Uh, but also I'm 37 and it's just like, wow, wait, in three years, I'm going to be 40. And I remember as a child, my mom's 40th birthday and all like all that kind of jazz. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. I'm like, I thought she was so old, but I don't feel old and I'm almost there, you know? So like, um, uh, being faithful, I think uh, now, um, you know, it's just, uh, I've always had a heart and a desire to like God, when God calls me, um, I, I just kind of go right or wrong. And I think, you know, now it's kind of a, to a time where it's like, okay, you know, um, God has me in a position where, you know, I can really, um, be faithful and, and help grow something, 
you know, um, I, I, I've, I've had a lot of experiences in sales and ministries and stuff like that and, and, uh, leading people in different ways and, uh, being faithful, I think is like, um, is seeing a generation come through uh, ministry. So, yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, that kind of a little bit ties into the next question a little bit here. Uh, so the first one is how can I stay faithful? Uh, the second one here is how can I stay fruitful? Yeah, and as I just mentioned, the 40s really does bring like a sobering thought like, this is it. This is my life. Mm. It kind of like reminds me of when our praise band here at church was, um, for like 10 years, we had a service and basically our church gym had to set up every single week. And it was such a you know chaotic process that the expectation was really low. Mm-hmm. And then about two months after, we built a whole new huge stage on the end of the gym and everything was like more permanent feeling. Mm-hmm there came this little level of stress throughout the group of, oh my, this is us. Like if we mess up now, it's not because we can't blame it on the fact that we set up this morning at six. Yeah. It's like serious. And so, um, you know, think about being fruitful. You may not feel like you're successful in the ways that you thought you may not even be in the position you want to be in. And there might still be like dreams you're trying to figure out. But, but the cool thing is there's no doubt that you've made a difference in the lives of people. Mm-hmm. And so to keep doing this effectively, you want to stick with a couple of basics like, remaining sharp and healthy. And so remaining fruitful really means a few things. One is that you're growing in your discipline and heart to remain in Jesus and his word. You don't want to live on the spiritual moments of your 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. You want to keep those you know, stories going and um, you know, make them meaningful and have an impact, but you don't want to live on those. You want to have you know, spiritual opportunities and moments with Jesus in your 40s and mm-hmm. beyond. And also in your 40s, you got to either stay or get more physically fit. And um, there was a little study from somewhere that said being active in your 40s greatly increases your chance of uh, a healthy life after the age of 65. Hmm. And so there's something that comes in the 40s that's that's major. And, and most 40-year-olds probably can relate to this. You know, I used to count on the summer activity being my diet plan for every year. I'd eat whatever I want and wait for the summer. Hmm. And then all of a sudden I noticed one year that it was either – I wasn't moving around that much in the summer or I started making the activity hanging around with people eating food. And so like I was I was spending more time talking with people as opposed to just going out and playing basketball or whatever. And mm-hmm. so everything shifted. And that's kind of a metaphor for just life in general. But um and then the other thing is just commit to do the best with what you have where you are and don't look elsewhere trying to compare. And you have an opportunity to make a huge difference right here, a major impact in people's lives right where you are in ministry. And the internet has, um, you know, just created an opportunity for us to see everybody else's success, mm-hmm. and and it might, uh, you know, that that can be tough on people. Yeah, comparison thing. Yeah, comparison, man. It's truly something uh, that all ministry leaders uh, deal with. I mean, like you said, you see so much about it on on social media. It's so easy because you know, like if you're a ministry leader, you're you're maybe in uh, in different groups or pages on social media that you know you kind of like have like this collective mind to kind of ask questions to. If you're if you have something going on and like you see people sharing like their spaces or like their attendance or like yep. all these things, and and here you are, you're you're comparing them. Uh, to what you're doing and like, man, uh, there's two different things that I, I just want to add in here real quick is, uh, I've said this before on the podcast, but, um, the grass is not greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. Um, and then also like, man, um, if you look at the first story of murder in the Bible, like Cain and Abel is because he, uh, it's because Cain compared 
what Abel was receiving from God for his mm-hmm. offering. And it's like, man, think about that. And that was just by comparison. Man. Yeah. So, um, so that might be an interesting question here is like, how can people not compare? Yeah. Well, um, I think one thing the pandemic did was help get people's focus on doing what they needed to do in their own ministries. Mm. And even though every the whole world went online, it was like an onslaught of online, and so nobody was paying attention to anybody. But um, it did cause people to focus on, man, let's shepherd our people and get our mm. teams moving and make sure we know what we're doing. It really brought focus. And it also kind of allowed a little bit of a reset for people because everybody was thrown off their game. So there was a lot of like just, you know, everybody understood the mm-hmm. issues. But... I've heard a speaker one time in a great sermon um, mention that comparison is really a joy stealer. Mm. So if you're having major issues and, um, you know, comparing and, and it's like stealing your joy and you just can't hardly get over it, then you may have to take some drastic action, like mm. take Facebook app off your phone. That'd mm. be like a huge help for anybody. And, um, and I do this in spurts. I'll have it off my phone a while. Then I'll have to do a live post somewhere along the way for some <laughs> event and I'll put it back on Then I'll leave it on. Then I'll realize, Oh, I'm on there all the time. So I'll take it off again. And I'll tell you something else that is for me, at least, um, sometimes I just have to take a break from listening to leadership podcasts. I'll have a day off and I'll be mowing the grass and listening through my usual leadership podcast. And they'll just, you know, totally innocently say something like, yeah, I always get up at five thirty and eat this and do this. And it's been the same that way for, you know, 30 years. And, and my church has 10,000 people. And then it's like, it's like just the the pressure of thinking, Oh, well, if you get everything right in life, then you're going to have an effective yeah. ministry. Yeah. And sometimes I just got to like, you know, stop listening to that for a while and, and just work on the things I need to work on. And, and so if you have, you know, if you're having drastic comparison issues, just take a break from all that for about three weeks and see how you feel. And you might, you know, have a totally different outlook, but, um, yeah, I'm not sure if there's an easy answer because it's everywhere. Yeah, man, that, that's so true. You know, we can easily like, hear about those 10,000 plus story churches and like, and not feel like we're being effective. But then you have like uh, pastors who are called to like the local church. Like there's a pastor, uh, Bill Wiggs, that we know. And we were talking to him this summer and man, like he was talking about these, uh, I think he is like two or three different churches that he serves for. And he just loves them. You know, like they're not mag- they're not big churches. They're all small churches, but he loves them and he has a passion for serving uh, them. And like, man, like that was like kind of inspiring because you know sometimes like at churches we get into this number game. But then here's this guy who's faithfully serving and is producing fruit at his church, and it's just you know a few dozen people, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I love that. That really is. Yeah, yeah. I, went to, I went to high school with Bill Wiggs. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Oh, I graduated from Belleville West. Wow. And we have Elizabeth West here in the studio with us today. <laughs> that's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. All right. So, so far, um, we've had how you can stay faithful and how you can stay fruitful. And after this brief break, we'll share um, the other three questions. So we're back, and we're moving on to question number three uh, that ministry leaders in their 40s should ask, and it's this. How can I stay focused? Well, John Maxwell had a a book um, somewhere along the way where he talked about uh, halftime. And so um, the the 40s are a lot like halftime in life, and you can look back, see you've had an opportunity to do a lot of things, and now you're looking ahead realizing, yeah, i got like 20, 25, 30 years left to do this 
career, ministry, life, whatever you're doing. And, um, and so one of the things is you start realizing how quick time really is. Like mm. when old people, when your kids are born, they come and say time flies, you blink and then they're gone type thing. Mm. That really, you start realizing that really quickly. And, and you also kind of start realizing, and I don't want to make this like a depressing pad, podcast, but you kind of realize that your endeavors aren't going to just, you know, be known by the whole world. There's, you can make a lot of difference and you can change a lot of things just by being faithful to Christ and, and, uh, speaking into people's lives and, and doing all those things, praying for things, but the whole world's not going to know about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you've kind of come to this maturing point that you have weaknesses and you have some gifts. And now what you need to do is focus some of those gifts on the most important things. And I think that's the well-meaning nature of most big leaders on podcasts when they say only do what you can do and all the you know pastors run around saying but i can't i gotta do this and this that that a lot of people could do but nobody else will do it type thing Mm -hmm. well people can be encouraged in that for sure but i heard a phrase once that said you can do anything you want but you can't do everything you want and so if you haven't already by the time you get to your 40s you got to zero in on what you were created to do and that's hard work Mm -hmm. like it's hard to focus in and build the needed systems and get the stuff together so that you can really focus on what needs to happen. And I guess there's a couple options. One could just be drop everything you don't want to do and just hope. But, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes we have the we still have the call and the burden. I always think about that with fundraising. Like, yeah, I don't feel like a fundraiser, but I'm called to serve in a ministry that is a nonprofit ministry and relies on partnership with people to give toward the ministry to survive and do it and to thrive and to make it great. But um, if I just drop that and said, nah, I'm not going to do it, mm-hmm. it may not be good for the ministry. So, yeah. I mean, the other side is the hard work side where I'd say, I'm going to find somebody that helps me with this aspect of supporting the ministry financially. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's a lot of different things. But focus is a big one. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. I really like that. So uh, that's great that we need to focus um and the next one that we're going to kind of move along quickly here to number four is how am I making friends and family a priority? Well, in your forties, I've realized, and I've actually realized this even a little earlier. I must have matured quickly on the um, fashion side, but nobody cares about how you dress or what mm. your style is or what you look like and what your haircut's like or anything like that. And there's a good chance in your forties that like fair weathered friends and just acquaintance circles are just really off the grid like when you're in your 40s you're you're doing a lot of stuff with your own family or your your circle of friends that are close and um and partly it's the focus side that you're really working on the relationships that really matter and so how are you making that a priority well you've got to find ways to um for people who are married to spend a lot of quality time with your spouse and and your kids and those closest to you and and it's also good to develop friendships that are going to, you know, that you're able to speak into and have a voice in and be known and to know. And and that, um, you know, ministry life is kind of unique in a sense because there's a good chance you have a lot, a lot of relationships. And I used to have a friend that he was notably good at a few deep connections. Like he was a good friend and he mm-hmm. was one of my good friends, still is. And um and he had like just a you know a, a series of maybe four or five really strong deep friendships. And one time I was comparing our styles because me living my life being in a million different events, my friendships are wide but pretty shallow. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I have a ton of people that I know, and it's pretty small depth. 
And so I kind of compared it to a spaghetti noodle laying, you know, flat mm-hmm. across. And that was kind of my life. Like I knew tons of people, small. And his was a spaghetti noodle going up and down, like a vertical spaghetti mm-hmm. noodle. Like it was deeper, but it was it was not as, as wide. And so um, anyway, now's the time to take one or two close friendships more seriously. Honor your time at home. Focus on close friends and family. And um, I haven't been to too many funerals where people were or you know done them or been a part of them where people were honored for like accomplishments and number of hours they worked or Mm -hmm. things that they've done that usually gets mentioned for a brief moment especially if they've accomplished something really really majorly notable but a hundred percent of them talk about connections friendships and families yeah like that's 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 where it's at yeah so that's good and i think for me personally i can see a shift because i used to say yes to every single thing be gone traveling just every time I had a chance. I tried to balance it all out, and by the grace of God, it's it's been awesome. But there have been, um, you know, there've been seasons in my life where I have spent three nights at home in three months, and mm. and that was when we were married and had kids. Like I I remember just a few summers back, I spent three nights in Troy, Illinois, yeah. overnight, and I was in and out a lot, but I just didn't like. So just to think about that difference, and I know some people are called in a job or work and they travel or missionaries there's all kinds of different scenarios that's not like a you know it's not like a a gauge of any kind but there came a point where being home became more critical in my mind than it had been you know a decade ago yeah so for sure and you've experienced a lot of tradition i mean not tradition but transition um (laughs) because you're uh just recently moved a whole new community and Mm -hmm. started a whole new you know series of connect with new people so do you have any thoughts on this reflection of well yeah i mean so like you just said we just moved and before we were an hour away from our family but now we're two hours away from our family um in a different direction though um and so now um you know that hour you know for example uh, my mom was very intentional about coming up once a week to spend time with her grandkids and obviously with my wife and i mm-hmm. um but now it's like we have to be even more intentional about spending time with our family because it's a bigger commitment. It's no longer a day trip. So, uh, you know, we take a, my son is in kindergarten and we take those like days where he's off on Friday or if he gets out early on Friday, we'll, we're, we're, we plan times to, to buzz up back home and, and spend like, you know, Friday and Saturday here before getting back for, uh, you know, ministry op- obligations on obligations. That sounds bad. Uh, ministry duties <laughs> on, uh, on, uh, on Sunday. So, um, you know, be more intentional about it. Uh, but also, you know, just kind of moving, um, moving to a new community and getting to know new people. Um, you know, it's just really kind of just like one, don't say yes to everything, you know, uh, but like putting yourself out there, you know, um, I had a, I had a, a new friend, uh, Russell Williams, and uh, he he's like, hey, you know, we get together on Fridays and we uh, we meet and we have coffee um, at this coffee shop, uh, Crown Brew Coffee down in Marion. A uh, little plug there. Um, and he's like, you know, we get together and I've met a great handful of people uh, to talk to, and you know, just uh, it's been it's been great. So uh, putting yourself out there and just uh, getting to know people because it's a, it's a fresh start because neither of us have any friends down there. You know, yeah. actually, that's a lie. My wife. Here's a crazy story. That's a tangent. So. Um, we moved down there and we learned that Tina um, had someone who she graduated high school with who lives two blocks away from us that she hasn't talked to since she graduated. And like we both, we have both of us have kids and our kids play together now and they're like really good friends. It's just like, that's wow. a, yeah. So it's that's pretty a, crazy. That's blessed. Yeah. Hey, well, um, 
to respond to what you just said, I went to school with Russ Williams too. <laughs> I agree. If every example you use, I went to school with that person. But I, you better I, stop because I didn't go that much school. You didn't. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Russ was ahead of me in in grade school. So like, whenever I got my snare drum as like a fifth grader or whatever age you do band, yeah. that he had played snare drum. So he was like junior high, and I was in. Oh, you know, nice. Just entering. You kind of like so looked he up helped to him. Me, he helped me, you know, mess with the drum. And that's then we went to the same college, too. So oh, that's awesome. Pretty wild. Man. And I was also going to say, I just made a note here when you said uh, ministry obligation sounds bad. We should do a podcast on that sometime because really uh, obligation is is being obliged to do something. Like, yeah. So it's not too bad to use that word. Okay. To be committed to. For some, for, I don't know. For some reason, it's just not like, oh, I have to do this. I don't know. Like, if that's just me. Well, right here. Yeah, I could see why it would. But <laughs> it, and I, I was thinking the same thing. And I just, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So to bring this to a close, because we have one last question for ministry leaders in their 40s. And we have uh, five total bullet points. In the first, and here they are real quickly. How can I stay faithful? How can I stay fruitful? How can I focus how am I making friends and family a priority? And this last one here is how am I honoring God with my finances? Yeah, and this one, I am probably not the, um, I'm definitely not the guru on this. You, Everybody at some point has to start making sure that they're being, you know, good stewards with things. And financially, as far as being disciplined, it doesn't matter if you're making a lot of money or if you're making a little money. You've got to have those disciplined things in your life. Like if you're going to wait until you have a lot of money to tithe, you're never going to be a tither because that is like just part of the, the discipline of living. And so, um, you know, most pastors and ministry leaders, I can attest to this, are not going to be on any wealthiest people lists because we um, are called to be financially fit and faithful, but we're we're not really in you know, full-time people aren't really in um, ministry roles that are going to be highly lucrative, and uh, and that's okay. But there are a few things that we want to do in terms of honoring God, and one I just mentioned, faithfully giving a tithe to the church. And if you're not doing that in your 40s right now, then you need to begin because mm-hmm. that's um, that's just a – it's partly to give to the work of the Lord like Scripture calls, but it's also even as much so for us to realize that our if our faith is in our financial – building then we're in trouble Mm -hmm. and i remember um just thinking that when some young adults get out of college christian young adults who are in ministry worlds get out of college they can get pretty good amazingly decent paying jobs in ministry work Mm -hmm. for that season of life so all of a sudden you know you're 22 years old and you can make 40 or 45 you know whatever it is Uh, it depends on where the the where you're at in the in the nation and the number of hours, all that kind of stuff. But there can be a, an amount that um, that people can make as a as a person who is just maybe not even in college or with college or whatever. And then um, the same person might also another person in that same age range. I mean to say, might get a um, a job in a corporate setting where they're only making X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, and you fast forward about fifteen. 20 years people are in their you know late 30s moving into their 40s and the corporate person has really risen up money wise Mm -hmm. but the money for ministry as we both know kind of stays pretty stagnant like it it doesn't really just raise that that much i Mm -hmm. mean it kind of stays and so there's the possibility that the the corporate person and not that 
corporate jobs are, are bad. Christians need to be in all segments of all society. But um, the corporate person might be making quite a bit of money and having a feeling they're not having significance, you know, in in life with other people. Like they're just going to their job every day. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, a ministry person might feel like they have incredible significance, but they're, the money is beginning to stifle them because they're thinking about it too much and they're wondering mm-hmm. if they're going to have enough or if they're going to make more, if they're going to do this, they're going to do that. And so one of the ways that we have to honor God with our finances is that we have to budget and live within our means mm-hmm. and be totally as as much as possible content and joyful with how we are doing that. Yeah. And so um I don't want to get too specific about how that works but I know that in my own life um we have by the grace of God done that for the most part. And so we try to stick with knowing that we're going to do you know these certain things and we have this money that we can spend. I think it helps every kid that can be told this, hey, we can't afford that because that just helps them build into their life. Yeah, you, you can't just go off and buy everything. The money just, like they always say, doesn't just grow on trees. You got to yeah. work for it and have it and it's important and all those things. And so I want to teach my kids that to give and to save and to work hard for whatever it's going to be that they're going to have. And then I, I was just thinking about this idea that um, that you want to be a faithful witness through your finances. And there have been times that I have been impressed and have been inspired by major finances, like people who have given to the ministry or one time we stayed in a home of a guy in Indianapolis who was a big wig in some company there. I think it might've been the Lilly foundation. Hmm. And, um, he had a, a, a pretty sizable house, but the amazing thing was, is right behind his house, he built like a, I don't remember how many square foot, like, you know, 10,000 square foot large room with a basement that had a kiln and an art center and porcelain, this and that, and a huge TV. And like, there was like 14 or 18 couches on casters. And he basically just started inviting students to his home for devotions. And it kind of started a community youth group and around the subdivision in the town. And, um, we spent the night there one night. And I just remember thinking his question was, how are you going to use your home for ministry? Doesn't matter if it's big or large, like how are you going to do it or big or small? So I'm talking a lot here, but basically I was inspired because of his opportunity, because of his job and his giving and his, you mm-hmm. know, what he had, he was able to seemingly give more mm-hmm. or whatever to, to ministry stuff. And so, you know, you can talk all day about money things, but are you being faithful with what you have and are you being a good steward of that? And so that's that. That's awesome. I, I think it's a, a pretty clear and there are so many resources, uh, but you're right. Now's the time to get things in shape um, as you head into the last couple of decades of time to prepare a solid financial solution. Um, and so to summarize, um, you know, faithful, fruitful, focus, friends, family, and finances, um, those are all great. Tim, is there anything else that you would like to add to this? Well, I I talk about age a lot, but really I'm just curious, you know, how old someone is or when they started something or when they began something. And, and in scripture, age is really celebrated. So even though the culture says the forties, you're kind of over the hill type mindset, <laughs> really you have, you're like poised for incredible ministry. And some of the things that you're going to do now are the things you're going to be known for. The, the thing that you might be known for, you may not even started yet. Like it might just be coming up. And so, um, you have a major opportunity to impact lives and people coming behind you. And so really be grateful for where you are today and allow these questions to kind of help shape and and form some of what you're doing to have an impact. 
That's great. Well, man, I'm not in my 40s yet, but I really feel like this is a great conversation. And for those who are listening, if you're not in your 40s, uh, but you listened all the way through, thanks uh, for giving a listen. Uh, feel free, uh, feel free to share this uh, with someone you know who you might who might find it helpful. So maybe they're about to be 40 or they're in their 40s. Um, and even um, to every one of our listeners, we just want to thank you so much. We're we're praying for you and trusting that uh, you're letting Christ shine in and through you. Uh, keep up the good work, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. We hope this has been encouraging and helpful to you. Stay in touch with us at timpriceblog.com. Until next time, keep following in the footsteps of Jesus and lifting up the name of the Lord. Thanks for your work and ministry.